The scripture this morning is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And a lot of you have known the scriptures longer than I have, but maybe some of you haven't. And so I want to let you know that Luke was a researcher. Um, and he did the research before there was Google. He couldn't, he couldn't just type in, okay, what about the birth of Jesus? He actually had to talk to people to find out about it. And we find that as he writes down the results of his research, he's actually talking about two miraculous births, the birth of Jesus and the birth of John the Baptist. And I mention that because in our scripture this morning, um, the angel Gabriel refers or makes reference to the birth, birth of John the Baptist or at least the conception of John the Baptist. And so with that in mind, I will go ahead now and read the scripture. It says, in the sixth month, God's, that's the sixth, thank you for standing. All right. And that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. All right. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Dean. Um, This series I'm preaching through Advent is entitled The Coming. Last week we looked at the wise men who actually were late in coming. Um, they were the last of the Christmas story to, to find Jesus, but we looked at them because they recognized the indicators that the Messiah was being born. The Messiah had come. This week, we're, we're looking at uh, impending. We know that there's an impending birth. That's what the angel came to tell Mary, an impending birth. Before I get into this, Uh, I don't remember if it was Julie or someone else that told me that there was a college professor out there somewhere who said 
Mary did not give her consent to God to do this. I beg to differ with you, or with them, or with that person. Because it says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. That sounds like consent to me. So, impending. Uh, I think that word tends to have a negative connotation to us very often because we associate impending with words like judgment. Impending judgment. Impending doom. Impending death. Impending disaster. Impending crisis. How about a more positive association with this word, such as impending release? What if you were in prison or jail? How about an impending promotion or an impending raise or an impending retirement or an impending marriage or even an impending birth? My youngest brother, David, is a nurse in the Air Force Reserve. He was called into his commander's office a few months back and was surprised by the news that he was up for promotion to lieutenant colonel. There was an impending promotion awaiting him, and because of his service record and time in the Air Force and the education that he has, he was prepared for this advancement in his military career, an impending promotion. That was a good thing for him. In our scripture account today, we see that Mary was surprised to, new, to surprised by the news of the impending work of God in her life. God was in fact going to work in her life in a way he'd never worked in a woman's life before. But I would tell you that she was prepared for this. So let's look at this story this morning. Mary, first of all, is perplexed, but God is with her. Mary is perplexed, but God is with her. In the six months, it says, the angel came to her, to this virgin, pledged to be married to Joseph. Her name is Mary. And it says, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And here's Mary's response. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what this kind of greeting might be. She was kind of perplexed. Um, So we have this woman, Mary, and she lives in this nowhere kind of town. In fact, um, when Jesus uh, began his ministry, at some point someone said, has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? It was like Podunkville. You use the word Podunk, right? Okay. Nowheresville. Uh, backwater town. You know, that kind of thing. And she was engaged to an ordinary kind of guy. Now, I'm not sure if you looked at the resumes of couples who applied to be the parents of the Messiah that you would have chosen Mary and Joseph. Now, you know this is fictional, of course. There were no resumes submitted. But um, I would guess that Mary did not come from a family of privilege. 
She was not a society girl. She'd probably never been chosen to be Miss Nazareth. <laughs> Joseph had a blue-collar job. He worked with his hands. He, would, he was a modest man of modest means. Probably not the guy selected to be most likely to succeed in the Nazareth High School yearbook. But they did have some things going for them. Things that were essential to God in choosing the earthly parents of his son. It tells us that they are in the lineage of David. And that was really important because prophecy said that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. Let me share just some of those prophecies with you. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6. And seven, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will rule on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You did not rule on David's throne unless you were descendant of David. Isaiah 11, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was David's father. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And then Jeremiah 23 verses 5 and 6. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. So Mary and Joseph were descendants of the great King David. And that was important because prophecy said that Jesus would be a descendant of David. And though not mentioned in this passage, we are told, if you look in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, that Joseph is a righteous man. Okay? That was important to God. That the earthly father of his son would be a righteous man. Um, And I looked up the theological definition of the word righteous. And it says it's one who acts conformably to justice and right. Or in maybe more layman's terms, Joseph's life had conformed to the justice and right living that God required. Joseph's life had conformed to the justice and right living that God required. And then Mary... Because really that's the focus of this passage this morning. Mary, it says, is favored by God and God is with her. In fact, it says she's highly favored by God. I've always thought, man, I hope God thinks that of me. Yeah. I'd like God to say, 
Sid, you're highly favored. So, highly favored. And that is a word used only two times, this highly favored, because it's a, a single word in the Greek. It's, a, it's used only twice in the New Testament. Only twice. The other place it's used in is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. And here's how that passage reads in the New King James Version. To the praise and glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Wait a minute, I don't hear highly favored there. Well, it's been translated to mean grace by which He made us accepted. That is highly favored. You are highly favored, God is saying to Mary through the angel. You are highly favored or graciously accepted. You have obtained grace from God. So, to be highly favored in this sense does not necessarily mean to show favor in the sense we might think of. But rather it means to show grace to. It refers to that particular favor or grace in being chosen and singled out from all other women to be the mother of the Messiah. So, God's being highly favored by God in this sense did not necessarily mean special treatment or blessing, but rather a special mission or assignment. You have been accepted and chosen for this. Perhaps that's why the scripture tells us that Mary is troubled and wondering what this greeting could mean. You have been specifically or specially chosen. She might have been saying, uh-oh. What's God up to? What's He planning here? Why is He talking to me? Have you ever been told um, maybe that Hey, the boss wants to see you. Or, you need to report to the principal's office. You ever remember hearing that? And you're wondering, what could this be about? Did I do something wrong? Am I in trouble for some reason? But when you got there, maybe to the principal's office, you found out that you were maybe getting an award for excelling in a class or doing something special at school. Or maybe you found out from the boss that, hey, I'm going to promote you to this special place of authority over maybe a specific project or a group of people. And so, in spite of our concerns that, oh no, how come I'm being called into the principal's office? Or how come the boss wants to see me special? Instead of being something negative, it turns out to be something positive. You know, lack of understanding in a situation doesn't necessarily mean that it's a problem or trouble. It may mean God is about to do something great. And maybe He's going to do something great through you, just like He was going to do for Mary. So as we move on, then we find out she wonders, it says, what kind of greeting this could be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Mary is afraid, but favored. 
Obviously, the angel understands what Mary is feeling at this moment, and he tells her not to be afraid. And it seems if you read through the Bible about when people were encountered by angels or had encounters with angels, that's, those tend to be the first words out of the angel's mouth. Do not be afraid. Um, so it seems to me that whenever these encounters occurred, the persons being visited by the angel expressed fear in some way. I don't know if it was their countenance or if they were shaking and their knees. I don't know. But those are the first words the angels say to them because I think that would be my tendency if an angel showed up in my bedroom or in my living room or while I'm out in the garage. or in the. If an angel just shows up, I might tend to be... Afraid. Um, why were the initial reactions one of fear? Well, again, if an angelic being just showed up, and apparently they knew that somehow that these were angelic beings. Now, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that, you know, they have a halo over their heads like this, like they're portrayed oftentimes, but I think somehow when the angels showed up, people knew that these weren't regular folks. And um, and they recognize them as such, and that may have caused, uh, you know, how come I'm being visited by an angel? Um, another thing that might have caused some fear is that people knew that angels are messengers of God. And maybe there was some fear about what the message from God might be. Naughty, naughty. Or... Remember some of the things God asked the prophets of the Old Testament to do? Oh my goodness. Please, Lord, don't send me to the mission field. That kind of a thing. Or, in the Old Testament, there was a fear of being in the presence of holy God. Remember, there was the most holy place in the tabernacle and in the temple, and you didn't go there. You go there and you die. And so an angel comes, a representative of God, and you're thinking, the presence of God? I could die. So you could understand why, maybe, why the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid, because that, would, that might tend to be the initial reaction when an angel shows up to talk to you. But Mary doesn't have to be afraid. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, she has found favor, it says, with God. Mary, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Now, remember the highly favored that we looked at just a few moments ago. There's, it's the same root word, but the word itself is a little different here. And it has a little different meaning this time. This Word, you have found favor with God. This has to do with the absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God. The absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God. It's talking about how freely God is extending His loving kindness to Mary. That's what this word favor is about. So don't be afraid, Mary, because I am going to freely show loving kindness to you. 
And he says, I will be with you. You can go back um, to verse 28, where it says, the Lord is with you. Now, I think we generally think of God being with us in terms of his abiding spirit, right? It's the presence of his Holy Spirit. Not a God who is seen, but God who is spirit. Certainly that was true, that God was with her in spirit. But I think for Mary this had a double meaning. God is with her in spirit, but it was also true that God would literally be with her in her womb. Have you ever thought about that? God would literally be with her in her womb. The child she would bear would be the Messiah. I don't think God is going to let awful things happen to the woman who's bearing his son in her womb. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. I am with you. Have you ever tried to teach a kid to swim? Now, there's the old thing about, you know, you throw them in and you yell, sink or swim, but we don't really do that, do we? (laughs) Some do. (laughs) They need to know that they won't be just thrown into the water and expected to make it on their own, but that mom or dad or the instructor will be in the water with them. And that's what God was saying to Mary. I'm not going to throw you in the water and yell, sink or swim. I will be with you. And you know, sometimes God calls us to do and to be things that might seem scary to us. But He never sends us out on our own. He has promised that He will be with us. Amen? And that was the promise to Mary. And so Mary is confused, but willing. She is confused, but willing. Mary has been told that she will be pregnant and give birth to a son, and that son will be the Messiah. Now, it seems that this would be an unbelievable honor to any God-fearing Jewish woman of her day. I get to be the mother of the Messiah? But then she says, wait a minute. What are the mechanics of how this is going to work? I'm still a virgin. She may be wondering at this point, what role is Joseph going to play in all of this? Because we're not married, married. There was kind of two levels of marriage in Jewish culture. When you were engaged, they considered you married, but you had not come together yet as a married couple. So to break a marriage, even at the point of being just engaged, but not yet living together, required divorce. That's how they viewed marriage. So she's engaged to Joseph, but they're not together yet. So she's got to be wondering, wait a minute, how's this going to work? And the angel informs her that it will be a miracle by the Holy Spirit. Similar, but not exactly the same as what had happened with Elizabeth already. Remember, Elizabeth was 
beyond the age of childbearing, and yet God blessed her with a child. But that happened in the way that births always happen. This was not going to happen that way. God said, you're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Well, God can do anything. He said it here, nothing is impossible for God. But that had to raise some questions and concerns in Mary's mind. Okay, Joseph will not be the father. I'm going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. What kind of have you ever thought about what might have raced through her mind at this point or maybe even in the days to follow? I mean, there's some questions that, that would be raised in my, okay, Joseph will not be the father. How do I explain this to him? And the, the biblical commentators all, all say that Mary was probably like in her teenage years. That's kind of how they did things back then. Joseph was probably 30 years old because you weren't considered a man till you were 30 years old in Jewish culture, but you married younger gals. They were promised to you. And so she was probably a, a teenager at this point. And do you think, we, we, we don't see any of this in the scripture. It's not addressed. But think she might have said something like, oh, what am I going to tell my parents? I mean, how do I tell them and what will they say? Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. Oh no, Mary, how could you? This will be an embarrassment to the family. Everyone in Nazareth will know. And we thought Joseph was a righteous and honorable man. Can you, can you imagine those kinds of things coming out of her parents' mouth? Mom, Dad, it's not like that. Joseph isn't the father. Oh, it just got worse. You're engaged to Joseph. He's not the father? I mean, the parents' minds would have been spinning at this point. If not Joseph, to whom she was engaged and in essence married to in Jewish custom, then who was the father? I mean, things would be doubly worse in the parents' minds at this point, because if Joseph was not the father, then it would mean that Mary had committed adultery, and the penalty for adultery was death by stoning. Isn't it? Well, it's not unrealistic to think that Mary may have had some of these concerns about these possible scenarios running through her mind after she got this visit from the angel. We really don't know. But nevertheless, even though she might have had these concerns, even though she might have played through some of these scenarios in her mind, she said to God, use me any way you want to. It's okay with me. I'm your servant. Do with me as you please. You know, Mary may not have felt prepared to deal with all that she would face in Jesus' coming 
and being pregnant and giving birth to him. But she was prepared to be used because she was willing. You know, most children don't understand the physics of rotational inertia. You know, that which keeps a bicycle upright when we're moving forward at at least at a certain speed. But they can ride if they are willing to get on and turn the pedals. They don't have to understand the mechanics. They just need to be willing to get on and turn the pedals. You know, God may surprise us with what He wants to do in our lives. But the first step is being ready in being ready is to be willing to let God do what He wants to do in our lives. That's the first step. That's, what, that's where Mary was. I mean, this was... Who's going to believe this? You're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Oh. I don't know if they had psych words then. But don't you think that's where people would have been tempted to send her? Can you imagine? Maybe that's one of the reasons why she disappeared and went to Elizabeth's house for a while. But a willingness to be used by God, no matter what the consequences would be for her personally. I am your servant. Do with me as you have said. That was her answer to the angel. You know, after Thanksgiving, we in essence begin counting down the days until Christmas. Christmas is impending. So we want to be prepared. And celebrating the birth of Jesus is a good thing. I think it's an opportunity. I think we need to celebrate His birth. But remember, and I told you this last week, Jesus didn't tell us to remember His birth. He told us to remember his death until he returns. Jesus' birth, in essence, was all about his mission. When we celebrate his birth, we also celebrate why he came and what he has done for us. And what he can do for others. So, I want to end with this today. The question is not, are we prepared for the birth of Jesus? He has come. Instead, are we prepared for the risen Lord and His impending return? He promised to come back. There's a second advent that will take place someday. And folks, He's not going to come as a little helpless baby this time. He's going to come back as King and King and Lord, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the whole world will know. The whole world will know. So the answer to that question, are we prepared, is our salvation. Do we know Jesus as Savior? Because if we do, we will welcome that day. If we don't, it will be a sad day, a scary day. And in that light, are we willing to be used by God in whatever way He chooses to share the message of Jesus with others? Are we willing to be used by God in whatever way He chooses to share the message of Jesus with others?
What an opportune time. Amen? Um, can you bring back the second verse of Ring the Bells, guys? Can you bring that up on the screen? Because I was impressed uh, about how that fits um, with the message today. God the Father gave His Son, gave His own beloved one to this wicked, sinful earth to bring mankind His love new birth. And then it goes on, ring the bells, ring the bells, let the whole world know. Let's, um, okay, go to the next verse then. Men and angels worshiping, worshiping Him, singing Christ is born, born to die on Calvary, born to, born to set His people free. That's the message, folks. That's the message of Christmas. God Himself in human form, tell it. That's what this is about. Do we have the courage and boldness to do that? Tell it, Christ is born. Thanks for choosing that song. Aren't we lucky? (laughs) Aren't we lucky how these things come together? Right. Aren't aren't we blessed with the way God orchestrates? I did. You know, I remember singing the first verse. I don't ever remember singing this verse. But when we sang it today, I said, "Boy, that is a great fit." Thank you, God, for it. We can sing that as we close today. Let's do it. Let the whole 
Christ the Savior lives today as he did so long ago. Beautiful singing. You may be dismissed. You.